Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke, and this is a special bonus episode of the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Um, if you're here in the States, it's not a surprise to you that the last two weeks have been uh, pretty terrible in a lot of ways. Uh, specifically, we've had a string of racist events. Um, we are seeing a lot of racial injustice in reaction to that injustice. I think a lot of us are really uh, reeling, trying to process our emotions and our feelings and trying to figure out what this all means and, and, and what we as individuals can do to try to um, move forward and 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 correct some of the uh, ongoing uh, injustices that are being done. And it feels very overwhelming. Stephanie and I wanted to make an episode and talk about the things that we as veterinarians, as techs, as practice managers, uh, as front desk staff can actually control. There are things that we can start to do in our lives, in our practices right now if we want to address some aspects of racial injustice, if we want to try to do what we can do to um, to make this world a better place. And that is what this uh, podcast is about. And so let's get into it. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie Goss talking about something that's not funny. This week, our country really exploded in response to ongoing racial injustice. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are heartbroken. Um, and then our, and, and we're, we're, we're looking, uh, we're looking at our friends, we're looking at our country and we're trying to make sense of it all. And, um, if you're like me, then your driving question is what can I do? Like posting on social media, and I'm not trying to blast anybody who's posting on social media. It, um, it kind of has a thoughts and prayers sort of vibe to it as far as good, helpful, but it feels short of the actual action that I want to take in this life, in this world. Right. And so how do I go beyond that? And that's, that's what I want to do. So my goal for this podcast is to answer the question of, what can I do in a problem that is so large and so systemic? Um, what can I, as a white associate veterinarian in Iowa, do about any of this? Right. And I, 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 I want to I try to help there. As I said, this is a disclaimer real quick uh, for obvious reasons. This is a very emotional subject. We are, we are leaning away from the emotional parts, not because they're not important, not because we don't feel them, just because that's not, that's not our, our wheelhouse. Uh, this is a business podcast. And we are going to lean into that. We are white people talking to a uh, very uh, largely white Caucasian audience because that is uh, veterinary medicine. It is 90% plus white mm -hmm. profession. Uh, we're, we're, we're not trying to act like we know or understand all perspectives um, or act like we're experts in the field of diversity and inclusion. We know a bit about running teams and building strong cultures. So that is the perspective that, that we're going to be sharing today. Mm -hmm. So without further ado... Let's get into the nuts and bolts of this. What can we do in a practice? I'm fired up. I want to take action. I want to get stuff done. You know what I mean? I want to make the world a better place. I want to make right. sure that I am a good guy. And I don't want to prove it by talk. I want to do it. Yep. And so, you ready for this? Yeah. Let's get in the headspace. Just as we always do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, when we start talking, thinking about uh, diversity and inclusion... In small businesses in America, uh, particularly veterinary clinics, there are uh, 
four like high level headspace things that I kind of need to get my head around. Okay. Okay. Number one is I just, I just, this is just me kind of laying stuff down. One of my personal core values I've said uh, you'll see I say it all the time here uh, integrity above all else, right? So integrity above all else is a big deal for me. I want to be one of the good guys. If it comes down to a moral judgment, I am going to do the thing that I can look in the mirror afterwards. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, I find that that is a better way to run a business. And again, yep. going back to being pragmatic, it's a better way to run a business. The, yep. You know, if I am upfront, if I am transparent, if I am uh, doing what I think is morally right and leaning into that, I have found that veterinary medicine takes great care of me. You know, and so as I look at this and get into the headspace, I really do believe, especially today, uh, that supporting minority uh, professionals in our industry is the morally right thing to do. And and especially as we look at racial injustice, I when you think of the of the flip side, which is not supporting, you know, people who are, uh, you know, veterinarians, uh, black veterinarians specifically are two percent of our profession or less. And so not going out of our way a little bit right now to support those people. It, it, it just, and again, I'm not trying to dictate morals for other people, but to me, what is the morality of this? Do you believe that, that this is an obligation that we have? And, and that's the headspace that, that people need to get to. And if you're like, no, I don't believe that. Well, that's your decision. I don't feel that way. But, but the first place is, Making a decision of, of am I going to tr- try to make change? Am I going to take action here? Morality um, is important. Integrity above all else. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that, Stephanie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think for me it's a simple it's, – it's very clear in that, um, you know, it, it angers me beyond belief that we even have to have the, com- the conversation <laughs> yes! because – Because um, for so many reasons, but um, in particular, because we are all drawn to the profession that we are in because we are hugely compassionate people. We care so deeply about our patients and it makes me so angry to think that we have to think about caring about the human beings in a different way. And I just, so for me, it is, it, it feels very clear, um, from an integrity perspective and a, and a morals perspective in an unquestionable way, because how can you bring together a group of people that are so compassionate, that are so kind, that are so caring and giving of themselves and not expect that not only are we going to feel that and act that for our patients, but we would feel and act that for our colleagues. Right. Okay. So here's part, here's part two of the headspace for me, which comes right off of what you said. Um, this seems so obvious to, to support uh, our minority colleagues, Like it seems so obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. why is there pushback against it? You know, like, like, and you will have people in your practice that will roll their eyes at yep. these initiatives. Let, so are these people evil? They must be evil, Stephanie. Like they must be no. evil. They must be evil people lurking in <laughs> veterinary medicine, taking crap pay. You know what I mean? And pouring their right. hearts and souls into this and suffering from compassion fatigue. And plus they're evil. Like, right. no, like that, that doesn't make sense. I can't square that in my mind. So, right. so here, here's the headspace for me that helps me be effective. Right. 
the headspace for me is, I believe people are innately good. I, you know, I've always said that. I, I choose to believe that. It makes, um, it makes the world a better place. I think more so people are innately self-centered. And I always add that after I say they're, they're innately good. I think a lot of us are driven by our lizard brain, our evolutionary brain, which has been evolved to keep us alive through centuries. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that when we feel personal fear, danger, we grab onto that. That is, you know, uh, even, even if I said we're good people, I believe that. We're trying to look at the greater world, but if there's something personally affecting us, especially in a scary negative way, I believe that our evolutionary basis is to our evolutionary reaction is to look at look out for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I believe right now uh, um, racial injustice is a massive problem, but it has not made the covid problem go away. It has not made the financial problems that a lot of us are having go away. You know what I mean? Um, we are talking to a group of scared people, you know, uh, they're scared for themselves. They're scared for what the future is going to hold for their family. They, maybe they, ha they live with a high risk person, uh, you know, and, and they, they're, they're living their lives, uh, worried about, about infection or disease or finding childcare over the summer because all the summer camps were canceled. And they're talking about not going back to school in the fall. And how, how are we going to pay the bills? When, you know, we're going to have to manage our children and I, and I can't work. And so those problems don't go away and haven't gone away. And so I would put forward that right now, especially those scary issues are affecting the way I think a lot of people look at any other problems. You know, mm -hmm. like they're, I think the selfish evolutionary part of us says, I want to hear about other problems. I've got problems that keep mm -hmm. me awake at night. And I don't want to hear about these other problems. And I don't right. think that's evil. You know, I think that that is a survival mechanism that is evolutionarily ingrained into us. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean when we start to have these conversations? I think, I think the reason I lay this out is I don't think people are evil. I don't think that we are swimming in a sea of racists in, in veterinary medicine or anything like that. I think that when we make these, uh, these changes, when we push for changes in our practice, if we do hear pushback, I think it's coming not from a place of um, you know, race, uh, overt racism, intentional racism in our, in our industry. And again, maybe I'm naive, but that's, that helps me get through the day to believe that and it makes me more effective. I think instead it comes from our caveman brain and a scarcity mentality. I'm scared. You know, I, I'm scared. I don't know what the future is. What if there's not enough food for me and my caveman husband and my cavemen children? You know, like that's the evolutionary thing. I, I am in full on panic mode or danger mode and the mm -hmm. scarcity mindset really kicks in. And so as I look at the pushback that we're seeing, I think the underlying emotion for a lot of people is if uh, I'm scared, I'm terrified, I'm worried about resources for the future. And now you're saying I'm supposed to prioritize other people and give them resources, AKA support, you know, that feels like a, there's a finite number of <laughs> supports in the world. And now you're giving supports to other people and I need those supports. 
And so I am going to push back with the idea of um, to give to other people feels like to take away from me and my caveman brain is screaming and I am panicking. And so I am not wanting to hear about helping other people right now as I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Did I just make mm-hmm. that really complicated and see? <laughs> or does that make sense? No. Like what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I'm, I think it does make sense. Um, for, for me, um, I think the, the part that, that really resonates is the idea of scarcity mentality. And I really think that a lot of, um, we have a huge, we have a huge struggle with that in this country. And, and, um, one of the things on a personal level that has been so hard and, and polarizing for me to see is, um, a lot of friends and family who have the belief that if you, if you are openly discussing the, um, the, ra- the racial injustice that's happening in our country right now and saying that black lives matter or that we need to be listening to voices of color more than we need to be listening to white voices right now. Um, there are a lot of people who absolutely freak out about that. And the immediate mm-hmm. response is we matter too. Mm-hmm. Just be, just because someone is saying um, that it matters and that we need to be listening does not mean they are trying to exclude everyone else. And so for me, that's where the scarcity mentality comes in. I feel like a lot of us really struggle and I don't know if it's an evolutionary thing. Um, it feels, it feels caveman to me when I look at the way that we're responding. So that, that resonates with me that, that, um, there would be some sort of caveman brain happening, but it's like, look, you can say, you can say um, that we need to be listening to voices of color right now and not care any less about your white team members who are dealing with COVID or who yes. are living paycheck to paycheck or all of the other issues that we have dealt with um, in the same vein in veterinary medicine it doesn't mean that you don't have compassion for those things. It means that you're switching the focus and that's not wrong, but there seems to be such a stigmatic view of um, being willing to say, we need to shine a very bright spotlight on an issue that is, it is absolutely reprehensible and, and not acceptable and we have to be willing to talk about it. And that's the part that I struggle with the most on a personal level is when I see people um, making statements and shining the spotlight and other people clapping back and commenting and saying, but this matters too. Yep. I really get so angry that people can't see that it's not an if then statement. It, it is, you're, you're not you're not pointing it out in exclusion of the other. You're saying, we're going to turn the volume down on this for a second and focus on this issue. And I, I really struggle with understanding why we as a, as a human being um, group have such trouble with wrapping our brains around that. Yeah. I, I, I believe it's, it's, it's our innate wiring and scarcity mentality. When Mm -hmm. food reserves go down, when there is a famine, when the crops don't don't rise, our caveman brain has does what has kept us alive as a species for a long time, which is 
screw everybody else. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm getting my food together. And if you try to go, mm -hmm. you know, the idea of sharing it among the community, forget that because then we're all going to starve to death a little bit more slowly. But if I keep it for me, if I grab the resources and I keep them for me, then my family will make it through the winter. And, right. And if, and again, like I'm not putting this forward to, to say, Oh, these people are bad or these people are good. And I hope it got it. I hope it doesn't sound that way. I'm in the headspace for me is trying to understand where I, where people are coming from. And, and like, mm -hmm. and, and again, to the point of being able to take action. Now you said exactly it. One of the biggest things that we run into, and you're going to run into if you try to push this forward in your practice, if you try to make these changes is the, uh, the popular argument back and forth, which mm -hmm. is, um, black lives matter. Well, all lives matter. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, minority employees need mm -hmm. support. Well, all of our employees need support. Okay. Right. That is a philosophical argument. Mm -hmm. That is a highly political argument. There right. is a lot of self-identity tied up in that argument. I'm going to say yeah. something now that I hope doesn't blow up in my face, but I, I, again, my, and let me just be real clear. Don't think I don't have strong feelings on this. But I got on this podcast to help you get shit done in your practice, right? Right. If you want to get stuff done in your practice, don't take the bait. Don't go into that argument. And if someone turns it into that argument, ignore it, right? Or agree with them and then go on doing the thing that you need to do to make your practice better. Because if you fall into the, but let me, let me tell you, imagine we're at dinner. And Timmy doesn't have any food. Like, I get it. Like, and, and it's good. And I'm not arguing with it. But having that conversation with the person in your practice, you are not going to win them over. Right. Uh, and, and, and if you want to have that conversation separately, just to try to educate or, or to understand people, then go and do it. But, but please don't tie it to your real push to make change because it will bog you down and stop you from making change. Right. Did I, did I, does that make it like, it makes total sense. Okay, cool. Yeah. Go yeah. On. I mean, I, I think I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think, especially when you're talking about, um, as you said, trying to enact change and you're looking at how am I dealing with my team as a whole, you 100% cannot allow the conversation to become the comment section. Like you yes. just, you have to turn off the, you have to right. turn off the comments and, and focus on where you're trying to go in terms of moving the dial within the practice. And regardless of what you believe, right? Right. As right. soon as it turns in the comment section, there is an emotional tractor beam that oh, grabs yeah. you and drags you towards the comment section in the staff meeting. Yeah. Don't go there. Yeah. Um, the, the phrase that, and you, you, you know, this is one of my driving phrases in life. You can be righteous or effective. Choose one. Right. You know, and I would say that's a case by case instance, which means you can be, you can be righteous. You can, you can uh, pull the flaming sword of justice and, and use it and use it for good. But I don't believe you can pull the flaming sword of justice and be effective at getting the change in your practice that you really want at the same time. So when it goes to the comment section, headspace, I'm not going there. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like yeah. if they say, but all our employees matter, I'm going to say, yes, they do. 
All of our employees matter. We are not going to be cutting resources to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we understand that Tammy's mom is very ill and she is de- really worried about her. And, you know, Tammy's mom is wonderful and our whole staff knows her. Don't think that we're going to forget about Tammy's mom. Don't think that we are not going to continue to give our heart and our and our love and our appreciation and our, and our support to Tammy, right? That's the great thing about appreciation. It's infinite. Right. Me appreciating Stephanie Goss does not mean I'm going to appreciate, uh, you know, Melanie Kramer less, right? Like, that the, the, doesn't work that way. The, the, it's right. not pie. It's right. infinitely spreadable, right? It's infinitely yeah. growable. And don't get into the, just don't, just don't get in the bait. Just don't take the bait. Yeah. Meet people's caveman brains, right? They're having a scarcity mentality thing. They're like, there's not going to be enough. There's not going to be enough support. I have problems. Right. Don't fight with them about, but they're more important than you. Um, Or or their issue right now is more important than yours. That may be true. Their caveman brain is not going to hear it. Right. And so instead say, yes, you are important. You you are not going to be abandoned. You are going to be supported. Now, here's another thing that we are going to be doing. And back on point. You know what I mean? Right. And and again, I hope this is not enraging people. I hope you understand just from a purely pragmatic strategy standpoint why I'm saying this. Um, There is a time and place to debate, to educate, to listen, to understand. Um, And then there's a time when you say, I'm trying to build a consensus to get this thing done. And when we want to get the thing done, as you said, stay out of the comment section. Be smart. Be strategic. Understand that you're dealing with the caveman brain and just lean into it, right? Understand that. What do they need to hear? They need to hear that they're going to be supported. They need to hear that that uh, a focus on diversity and inclusion does not mean less focus on supporting other members of our team. It's not high, right? It is infinite in its ability to be spread across our team. Bang. So that is headspace number two. Avoid the tractor beam into the comment section. Do not grab onto popular phrases that have a bunch of baggage on them. Um, right. And so, again, I'll, I'll put myself at great risk here and say um, the term Black Lives Matter is, uh, is it, it's, it's very powerful. Um, it has a lot of political baggage tied to it if you use that phrase. And I'm not saying you don't agree with it 100%, but if you throw that out, there's a lot of other people who have a lot of baggage tied to that, and they right. it, it, they will have reactions not to your message, not to what you're saying, not to what you're trying to do in the practice, but to the political baggage that they have attached to that phrase. And so those are the things that I, I stay away from that wording as I'm trying to be effective in my practice. Does that make sense? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I yeah, awesome. It, it totally, it totally does. All right, sweet. So number one, um, integrity above all else. Number two, avoid the tractor beam into the comment section. Number three, if I am dealing with, uh, my, with my boss, right? Um, if I am dealing with people I'm trying to get on board who are, are not, or would not otherwise be on board, it helps me to get super pragmatic. And again, that's like essentially what we're doing in this podcast is saying, you and I got, we got some feelings, but we're putting them away 
you know what I mean? Because this is for what we're doing as a business podcast. We need, we need to do that to be effective. Same thing with this. Listen, diversity is good for business. If you want to get super pragmatic as hell, I will make you a business case for increasing diversity for supporting minorities in our profession. Here it goes, Mm -hmm. right? Here's the business case for diversity for veterinary medicine. All right. Look, veterinary medicine is a trust business. I say it like every other week on here. And this is what I believe. People follow our recommendations because they trust us. Everything Mm -hmm. the client experience is about building trust with our clients. And when we've built trust with our clients, they will be compliant because they trust us. They know that we are looking out for them, that we're making recommendations that we truly believe in. We are recommending things that are best for their pet. Like that is a trust thing, right? uh, Everything we do in my mind, in my, in my core values and my beliefs is built on trust. Now, um, when we look again at the caveman brain, one of the things that has been shown in the research to build trust with people is sim- with people's with people is similarity. We are more likely to trust someone who looks like us, who has a lot in common with us. It is just the way that we are wired. Is when I look at you and I go, "Oh, that guy is a forty-three-year-old white guy who does some CrossFit and has uh, kids." I'm like. I have a natural bias towards trusting that guy compared to, uh, I just say it, the the 23-year-old uh, black woman who uh, grew up in the city and I grew up in rural North Carolina. Like We don't have, just walking up to each other, we don't have obvious great similarity, which means we are going to have to, um, we're going to have to go farther to build that same level of trust, right? You right. know what I mean? Like we're just going to have, I'm, we're going to have to listen. We're, it is going to take more time. Uh, we're, we're going to probably both have to lean a bit more into that relationship to get to that place. And we can get to that place, mm-hmm. but the initial caveman reaction is not the same. So how does this tie back into diversity and inclusion being good for business? Guys, we want to grow veterinary medicine. We want compliant pet owners. We want yep. people who follow our industry recommendations so that their pets yep. live long and happy lives. If we want people to trust us, it helps us to look like them. It helps us to have backgrounds that are similar to theirs. It helps us to come from the places that they come from so that we can have that trust. So, right. So, so that they see themselves in us, I can say, this is how I take care of my, of my pet. And if I feel like you, if you say, oh, he's like me, you are more likely to trust me and come along. Right. We have an increasingly diverse, uh, population in America and in Canada, right? If we do not diversify our profession, we are going to struggle to build trust and build it quickly. Like in 20 minute exam appointments, we're (laughs) going to struggle to build trust in the way that we can build trust. If our face is as practices are more diverse. Yep. And so the business, uh, the business case for increasing diversity in veterinary medicine is obvious. And I'm not even thrown in the benefits that have been shown as far as having a more diverse team, as far as having right. diverse voices and leadership, all those sorts of things. But right. I can run the numbers with you real fast. And if you will believe that vet medicine is a trust business, then the case for diversity and increasing diversity and supporting the diversity that we have is, is simple. And so that is, it's not emotional. It's not about this person matters and this person doesn't. It is a numbers game. It is how we run our business. It is, here is the benefit. I'll show you the financial trend lines, right? And again, sometimes in getting things done, 
getting away from any sort of an emotional philosophic discussion into let's look at numbers. Look at this. This is not about importance. It's not about self-identity, which I think makes it more effective argument because there's no identity right up. And this is just this is mm-hmm. this is what we're looking at. This is what we know. This is what the data says. Mm-hmm. So, so diversity is good for business. Putting that into my toolbox, I have used that many times um, in talking points to help, especially uh, people up high at the organizational power level. You know, practice owners, practice managers. Mm-hmm. I can go to something that they understand, that they that they get, and and put it to them in that way. And it doesn't feel touchy feely at that point. It feels right. tangible and important and um, and worthy of deep consideration in a way that that for whatever reason it, it, it didn't it didn't get into that side of their brain before. Totally. I don't have anything to add. That was I I, <laughs> I agree hundred percent. It makes total, I, it makes it makes total sense. And I again it's one of those things where it makes so much sense that I I just struggle with I, I I can't wrap my head around the fact that we're still having this conversation. Like it, to, to me, it's like, it makes so much sense, you know, and it's, it, that's why it seems so crazy. I mean, especially from the numbers perspective, everything you just said from a business standpoint, 100% is correct and true. And I, I can't imagine, um, I can't imagine being in a place where, someone would struggle to, to understand that. And so I think particularly for our team members who are looking at it, it is very easy to flip the script on its head here and have the conversation with your practice owners, with your practice managers, with your uh, field leadership and corporate level leadership, because it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. That, it's just that a different of way of talking. It's a right. different way of talking. About it. It's right. not the way of talking about diversity and inclusion that comes naturally to right. most of us. Most of us mm-hmm. have very strong feelings. Um, and again, not invalidating those feelings. Um, I'm purely talking about getting this done in your clinic. So that's number three. So um, diversity is good for business. Um do not go to the comment section and integrity above all. And then yep. number four, um, and this is so important for me, uh, it's so important for me, uh, for, for myself, for my own mental health, right? For my own wellness. Um, know that you can only control what you can control, right? I can't fix the world. I can't fix other people. And, and that is at the top of my toolbox right now because I wish everybody would wear a mask. I wish everybody would just wear a flipping mask. Um, right. But, but, but they have chosen not to. And, and, right. and I can't make them. And so right. I, need, I, I need to be okay and figure out a way for me to control what I can control. And the same thing is true here. We can only control what we can control, but I can uh, p- push forward voices and amplify voices on social media that I think need to be amplified. And I can control my own little sandbox and I can uh, do my own little things in my own little neighborhood. I think one of the most important things in actually getting stuff done and actually making a difference uh, in your vet practice as a veterinarian, as a vet tech is to remember all politics are local. 
right? So all politics are local, which means when people step back and argue about a theoretical level, right? Like super high level, people should be treated this way or people should be treated that way. People get really emotional and they take a a theoretical position inside. But if I can drill them down to, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about Cheryl, you know, Mm -hmm. Cheryl at the front desk. Well, then all of a sudden people, they drop that a bunch of of preconceived garbage. It's like, we're not talking about a theoretical population. We're talking about Cheryl at the front desk. Do you want to help Cheryl? God, of course I want to help Cheryl. Cheryl's great. I love Cheryl. Well, then let's freaking talk about supporting Cheryl. Let's talk about, you know, making, uh, making her comfortable here because not theoretical population, Cheryl, right? All politics are local. Right. People will talk about waste disposal at the national level and there'll be all of these, you know, um, uh, you know, philosophical points. But then we talk about putting a waste disposal facility in their neighborhood and all that crap goes away and they talk about what really matters to them. Right. And, and, And their position changes. It's the same thing when we're trying to increase diversity inclusion in our practices. Don't get swept into the philosophic conversation. All politics are local. Push down to the level of the granular level of your backyard, right? That's where there are things that you can control. We can control some things, right? Think global, but act local. And so that's the last headspace thing for me is for, for, for my own mental health, I can't control other people. I can't make them do anything. Mm-hmm. But I can do the things that I can do. There are in my little corner of the sandbox, I can act local. I can do things. And so uh, that was a long way to go to lay out the four headspace things, but but that's what I need to hear. So last last recap, integrity above all else. Don't get tractor beamed in the comment section. It's not productive. Diversity and inclusion are good for business. You can go back to that again and again. It makes total sense. It's data. It's logical. Um, it's, it's numbers driven. And then the last thing is think global at real local. Don't talk broad strokes talk about Cheryl at the front desk. And again, we have a very compassionate profession. I think we have the most wonderful, caring group of people in the world. And while they may diverge and depart radically on theoretical issues, when they see um, suffering, when they see need in front of their face, I firmly, deeply, truly believe when they see that, they will step up. And they will do what's right. And I guess that's that's just a uh, that's something that I sort of hold on to, and it's just something that I have not been dissuaded of. So get granular, get local. Cool. That's my headspace stuff. Have you got any? Um, have you got any? Uh, anything to add to that? Mm-mm. No, I I think that makes total sense. And I think the next question is what what can we actually do like how do do we get actionable within the veterinary community but also within our own clinics oh yeah so i um i struggled with this for years and i still don't have it right let me let let me let me just say um i hope that you have it all figured out and you have it all right because i don't um i this i am learning this is a work in progress uh i i don't have all the answers uh by far and part of that is because race relations change and our relationship uh, between uh, minority groups and uh, and 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 white people 
it's like any other relationship. It evolves. It changes with time. Our perspectives change based on on history. Like there is no write this down and and just count on it being true for all practices. It's very context specific. Uh, it it does change, but there are some things that are pretty basic and and solid and reliable that I that I have learned that I can do. Um, and, and that's really kind of what I want to get into because I feel like there's probably a lot of people who are going, what do I do? And, and I think that we can benefit people by giving some concrete business steps. Number one, know that this is a marathon and not a sprint, right? So just going into it, let me be clear because there's a lot of people like myself, like you, who are fired up and we're like, let's do something. Right. Uh, don't. Or if you do something uh, in your business, I would do, I would do it small right now and i would keep doing it like this is it's like anything it, yeah. it, in the cyclical nature of america like we get we get fired up and for one month we are all about fear free and then we slide back down and and fear free goes by the wayside until we get re-inspired and then we grab it up again resist that right yeah. just know that 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 if you really want to address this there's nothing you're going to do right now today this week this month in the month of june that is going to make radical change most likely it is about continued persistent investment and belief in this do small things that are going to continue on that you're not going to put back down when the news cycle changes to something else. You know what I mean? When, when things in our nation calm back down, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Don't rack yourself and your brain trying to figure out the grand immediate change to make. Be okay with the small changes that you can make and will make and will continue to enforce and use small changes over an extended period of time are going to do more good than a grand, a symbolic change that, that happens. And then that people kind of put aside. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's one of the things that, um, a lot of, a lot of my friends, um, are struggling with right now. I've had, I've had multiple conversations where, um, there are people right now who, um, are shouting very loudly, um, and encouraging people to, to make bra, uh, very grand gestures of this is what we're committed to. And I don't think that that is wrong. I think right. that we need to shine a spotlight right now. And there need to be a lot of very loud, very angry voices. I actually don't disagree with that at all. Right. And at the same time, for me, I, I, I agree with you very much, which is that the thing that is going to continue to be most impactful in my small, tiny, um, portion of the world is continuing to show up every day and do the smaller things repeatedly that that say I won't tolerate discrimination yep. I won't tolerate racism I will be an advocate for diversity within mm -hmm. our team within our community within our client base those things repeated over and over and over again, not only is it something that I can control, 
but I feel like I have the ability to significantly impact change more in that way than, than I could if the only other choice that I made was to make a, a, you know, grand sweeping gesture or, you know, put out a statement on our hospital's Facebook page and say, you know, we, we don't tolerate racism, you know, racism mm-hmm. or discrimination of any kind. Do the small things and mm-hmm. maintain, like do it. If you want to make um, a, a gesture or make a statement, do it. It's not, as you said, it's not an if either or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's not, well, are you going to make a, 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 you know, a statement about racism or are you going to make uh, small changes in your practice? No, the answer is, is, is for me, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely yes. and, but I, and I'll also say this too. Um, if you're going to pick one, the obvi- the real obvious one, yes. if you actually give a, if you actually really want to do something, make the small changes and, and commit to them. Uh, you know, if I had to pick one over, you know, uh, something I say on social media versus something I do in my practice, even something small, I'm taking the, the something small I do in my practice. Because it's real and it's tangible, uh, and, and it and it's lasting and it can be lasting, mm-hmm. as as, some, as opposed to something sort of uh, ephemeral on social media. And again, not knocking anybody for for making statements and and do right. that thing. Um, and I've seen some wonderful ones and some thoughtful ones and some powerful yeah. ones. Um, big statements in the absence of actual behavioral change are uh, right. frustrating to me. Uh, just personally, but, um, but as you said, you can have both and maybe this should have gone in the headspace. No, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Do not feel like you're failing because you have not fixed the problem of racism this week. You know, I mean, don't, and I know a lot of us, we, we want, we want to, to fix things. We are fixers. That's why we got into medicine. We look at a broken kitten, kitten, and we fix it. That's what we do. Right. And so the idea of, we're not going to fix this this week. We are going to medically manage this. We are going to nurse this. You know, right. that, that's, <laughs> if you can get into that headspace as that's how you treat this problem, I think you right. can be much happier and feel more in control than I don't have the power to, to you know, I don't have the magic wand to fix this this week. I, I think it's unrealistic. It's commit and it's stay with it and, and just keep putting one foot in front of the other and don't stop. So that's, that, that's it. No, this is a marathon, not a sprint. All right. No, number two, like, what do we actually do? Um, check in, right? This is simple. It's easy. Check in with your black colleagues, check in with your, uh, black support staff or, or your minority support staff, your people, uh, people of color support staff, just check in. Right. you like, I think a lot of us are going, what do, what do I say? You know, like, what do I say to my, to my colleague? Because I don't, I don't want to bring this up if, you know, I mean, I'm sure that they think about it. Every moment that they're not in practice, and I'm going to make it a work thing too, or I'm going to, or I'm going to raise this issue or, you know, th- th- like I, I struggle with things like that where I want to say the right thing. You know what I mean? And I'm like, God, I want them to know that I care, but in another way, I don't want to, I don't want to bring this up if they don't want to bring it up. And like, and I don't know, you know what I mean? And, and like, who am I to, to sort of unearth this conversation and these feelings? And it's, it's ridiculous, but. I think that I think a lot of us have those insecurities and those feelings and you go, I don't want to help, but I don't want to be an inconvenience and I I don't want to say something wrong or I don't want to be upsetting or make it worse. And I don't, I can't begin to understand what this person is feeling or what they're going through. And so maybe I should just keep my mouth shut because I really don't want to, you know, to, to, to negatively impact the situation. Look, I, I wrestle with this for years. Here's the thing. 
just check in, right? Yeah. It's it's just how are you hey, how are you holding up? Are you ever, you doing okay? I mean, is there is there anything anything I can do for you? And it's just um the phrase that I tend to go to is, "Hey, how are you doing? Is there is there anything I can I can do for you? I mean, and it's just it, it seems kind of awkward, but in another way, I, I I think it matters to people because they know it's authentic. Hey, how how are you doing? How are you holding up? I just want you to know I think the world of you. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, let me know. And that's it. Like that's all that there is to it. You don't have to make some grand speech. Don't write mm-hmm. your notes down. <laughs> For you know what I mean, the the motivational presentation that you're gonna give to your black friend. I know it is hey. You holding up okay? Is there is there anything that you need? Mm-hmm. All right, buddy. I'm here if you need me, just let me know, okay? And that's it. That's all I I, I, I truly believe that. And again, there may be uh people who uh we may we may have black veterinarian or vet tech listeners who are like, don't say that. Please let me know if that's not okay. Say that. That is kind of where I have come to over the years, and um, it's simple, and it's done. And uh, my experience has been that it is appreciated, um, and and it just it lets me feel like I've opened the door of like, hey, if you ever want to talk, I'm I'm here. You know, no obligation, and 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 then do it again. It's not a one time. Hey, how you doing? And then like, whoa, phew. right. I remember back in March, I asked how she was doing. She said she was fine. Um, I, you know, ch- I'm done. She totally I, fine. I, I, she'll let me know if something changes uh, before, right. you know, in the next year or two. Like, like again, like, no, checking on people, checking on your friends, doesn't matter the color of their skin. It's an ongoing yeah. process. I, I care about well, you today, and I care about you tomorrow, and I care about you the day after that, you know? And I, and I think, I think for me, that's, that's an important part of, of the check-in is I, I do think that we need to be checking in because we are all, again, we're all human beings and everybody is going to have different levels of um, impact and um, concerns. And so, you know, you may be looking at a colleague who is, um, who is black or who is a minority and want feel an overwhelming urge right now to check in with them and you should do it. And you should just ask them like, Hey, you know, Hey, how's it going? Uh, you know, are you okay? Exactly. Like you said. And at the same time, nothing is going to enable change in the long term more than continuing to build those relationships. Yes. And so if you if you as a manager, as a practice owner, as a team member, if you are again repetitively making it a part of your routine to say and actually shut up and listen to to say how are you doing and then actually stop and listen to what they say um and figure out what you can do to support them. If you live that truth and you act that way again and again and again um you are going to you're going to build up the trust and you're going to have the level of relationship where when one of your colleagues does have something going on and they you ask them that question and they stare at you and they tell you I don't know yeah, how I feel right now. I am numb or they burst into tears or they, um, you know, tell you they open up and tell you what is going on and what is affecting them. It makes it so much easier for you to, um, 
respond with compassion because you have a connection and you have a relationship and it um, makes it easier to say, I don't know how to fix this. I, I yeah. you know, that we're, we're fixers. We our immediate response when someone tells us that something is wrong is to say, well, let me fix this for you. And right now, especially, I think equally important is the willingness to shut up and just listen. Yeah. Not try and fix, not try and go into mansplaining mode and try and take over and solve the problem for them. Just listen um, and hold that space for them, not try and make it about about you, about yeah. trying to fix it, about making it better. It's about giving space and just asking each other on a human-to-human level, how, how are you? Yeah. What can yeah. I do for you? Oh, I so agree. All right. So, um, so I've got, I've got seven, seven things overall. So number one, remember it's a marathon, not a sprint. Number two, check in. And you really went right in, right into number three, which is, uh, if you want to make diversity better in your practice, know your minority employees, colleagues, and neighbors, right? Like what can any of us do to help with, uh, with racial injustice in this country, uh, with diversity, inclusion, or practice, it's know people who are minorities. It's know them. It's know them so that they know you. Uh, it's building a relationship with them, uh, knowing people who come from a different place than you, who have different perspectives than you, have different experiences from you. We can't be good allies if, if we just, we don't know these people, right? Like, <laughs> like that's just it. If you want your employees to feel comfortable at work, then know them. And, and, um, yeah, I, I think that's simple. Is, and we're sort of running long into the podcast, so we're sort of tightening the, tightening it up a bit. But, but I think everybody gets that, right? We can't understand if we don't know people. We can't expect to uh, to trust people or to be trusted if we don't know people. And we can't help when we don't know the people that we want to help. And so, just just know no more minorities, right? And, and the minorities in your practice. Talk to them. Build up, build those relationships. And and I just want to pause here for a second because I'm sure there's a lot of people. Who are going, Andy, why is this a minority? So like we should check in on all our employees and we should know all our employees and I'm going to get appreciation in a minute. And they go, we should appreciate all of our employees. Yes, that's true. It's all true. You know, like this is not, it, it's, it's not a radical concept. It's know mm-hmm. people. It's care about mm-hmm. people. It's appreciate people. It's check in on people when they need support, especially when you know that they're going through a hard time. Well, guys, guess what? Yeah. It's a hard time. If you're yeah. a, a, bl- a black colleague in vet medicine or you're a minority, is it, so check in on them. And it's not about, yeah. you say, well, it's not about color skin. Fine. Believe that. You know, that, that's fine with me. Just recognize that this is a hard time and then check in and appreciate and support and whatever. And you can justify any, any way that you want because it's not about skin color, really, if you, if you want to think that way. It's, it's about doing what's right and doing what's kind and being supportive if that's what you need, you know, if, if that's how you want to think about it. Well, and I think the reality is we've gotten to the place where we are because we have turned a blind eye as a as a community, as an as a culture. Um, we've turned a blind eye to um, what is happening, and I think yep. we do a massive, massive injustice and disservice um, to our uh, minority colleagues, and in in particular, um, our black colleagues by letting the discomfort that we might feel turning ourselves 
I mean, I, I say ourselves, you and I as white people, yeah. turning the spotlight to the fact that there is a huge issue happening yeah. right now and has been happening for a long time and acknowledging the fact that we've not spoken up about it. I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable because this is nothing new. This is a systemic problem that has been going on for ages. And now right. all of a sudden we've hit the critical mass point where people are like, we have to say something. And so it feels weird and awkward and uncomfortable for, for a lot of people to say, well, I haven't really shined this spotlight, but now I feel like I, I know you as a, as a person, but I'm going to ask you this like really weirdly awkward question of how are you doing in light of this situation? You got to get past the awkwardness. Yep, you got to get, get past, past the awkwardness because we're here because we've turned that blind eye. We've ignored it. We've not gone past the uncomfortableness and spoken up about it. And we don't have a choice continuing to move forward to not ask the hard questions and live in that place of discomfort. Um, because, uh, it's just, it's just something that's not acceptable. Right. I agree. All right. So number three, know your people. Right. Mm -hmm. Know your minority employees, know your black uh, veterinary colleagues, know, know your know your minority neighbors, like increase the number of minorities that, you know, build those relationships. It's a simple thing that you can do. It does matter. It's a small thing. But over time, as you build these relationships, you will find new ways to help and to support yeah. and to be part of the solution. And you just you can't do that if you don't put in the groundwork day and day and day of knowing your people, building those relationships, building trust. And again, just like everything else. You're not going to suddenly know your black colleague because you hung out with them all week long this week. It's just, this is a, it's a long-term thing, right? It's build these relationships. And so that's, that's number three. Number four is, is show the appreciation that you've been put, the appreciation you've been putting off, right? I want my, I want to, I want to grow uh, diversity in my practice. I want people who bring that diversity to feel appreciated, to feel comfortable, to feel like they are, um, like they're, um, like they're succeeding, like that they can succeed in our practice, like they are getting a fair shake, like what they do is, is important. And so again, this is true for all of our employees, but I think there's a lot of us out there who have appreciation for our minority colleagues or friends. And we've just been putting off saying it. Like we've been like, you know what? I just, I really need to tell him that when he did this thing, it was really great or it was really helpful. Hey, you know what? Now's a, now's a great time to put off appreciating people and just say, hey, you did this thing for me. And I want you to know that it really meant the world to me. Thank you for doing that. And you go, but Andy, that's not related to anything that's going on. Great. Yes, exactly. You know, it's exactly. It should be. It should be. Our, our life is, mm -hmm. again, appreciation. It's free. It's infinitely scalable. You're not taking it away from someone else to giving it to someone else. You know, it is something positive and supportive. And God, if you've had someone come up to you and say that they appreciate you or that they or to thank you for actual work you did, not for being a rock star. Thanks for being awesome. Thanks for being so great. Like, that's fun to say. It's not the same as saying, hey, you did this thing, this specific thing, and it meant the world to me. And I just wanted to say thank you. I really appreciate the hell out of you. You, you are fantastic. Um, those are different things. And so we should all get in the habit of saying those things to our colleagues and our staff all the time, but particularly focusing on people who are minorities who, uh, you know, may want to feel or need extra support and feeling like they are supported by the practice. It's a great time to stop putting those things off and, uh, and just, and just tell those people that they are appreciated. All right. Number five, 
get tapped into information hubs. And again, there's nothing that's going to come out this week that's going to uh, give you the answer to fix the problem. But if you care about this, if you really want to uh, to build diversity in your practice, if you want minorities in your practice to feel comfortable, get educated. Uh, some of the easy um, easy information sources that are very vet specific that I follow that I like, um, I got in no particular order. Uh, Black DVM Network is run by some fourth year veterinary students. Uh, coming out and they are wonderful and they are super uh, insightful and I love to just to see their perspective on our profession on uh, all the social medias they crush on Instagram uh, Black DVM Network is fantastic Uh, Multicultural Veterinary Medical Association uh, the uh, MCVMA um, they are a uh, a group that is be being more and more active. I came across this group at the AVMA conference last year. Uh, they uh, they are they are they are growing quickly. They are doing a lot of stuff. They are fantastic. Again, you can find them uh, on on the social on the social medias. Uh, I've been very <laughs> impressed with this group. Uh, the National Association for Black Veterinarians is, is a group that I support. Uh, they uh, before the pandemic uh, have had live events. They have had conferences and gatherings. Uh, I um, I support I, I support them where, where we can as far as helping them get the word out about registration for their events. Uh, I encourage people out there um, when we get back to normal, if and when they start to to put on live events again, or if they have virtual events, check it out. Um, this is a group that is actively meeting. They are getting together. Um, I, again, I, I have, uh, I've talked with, uh, with members of their group and, and, and have always been very impressed. And I also met them at the AVMA, uh, convention last year. So, uh, so those are three groups that, that I think very highly of, I think they are doing very good and interesting things in our profession. If this is an area of interest for you, those are, those are three, three of many groups that, that I think are really cool. Is there anything or anyone you want to add to that list? Nope. I think that's, I think that it's great. And again, for, for me, it's about looking at your corner of the sandbox. And so it makes a lot of sense for us from a business perspective to look at uh, resources specific to veterinary medicine, mm-hmm. um, you know, but also looking, uh, you know, we're, we're so, we're blessed and cursed with the internet um, yep. because the blessing is we have the world at our fingertips and um the curse is is that it uh the we're we're tied to our devices all the time but the reality is you have all the information at your fingertips um yep. to educate yourself in a way that we've never been able to educate ourselves on this level and right. so there's no excuse for not doing something in your corner of the world to find out concrete solid information about what is happening if it's veterinary medicine and you want to play specifically just in that sandbox um looking at those resources but looking at the resources in in your um home state in your level or area of the world like google this is where this is where google is your friend yeah (laughs) you know and and, yeah i'll i will say this and again i'm i'm just trying to be totally honest and transparent here, I have greatly cut down on my digital diet. I, right. I am tired. I am tired. You know what I mean? I, I yeah, I have struggled uh, recently with just feeling, um, just beaten up. And I'm sure a lot of other people do and just feeling depleted. So I have been, I'm very selective about what I consume uh, for my brain. Um, and I've cut down a lot of things. The, the Black TVM Network, the Multicultural Veterinary Medical Association, National Association of Black Veterinarians. Um, that's my sandbox. You know what I mean? Like, as opposed mm-hmm. to, 
looking at the world as a whole, there tend to be things here that I feel like, you know what? I can use that information. Like I can use that information in my sandbox. I can use that information in my practice. And so I just want to throw that out because a lot of people I'm sure are like, Andy, there's a million resources. I'm not interested in adding more. What I would say is, again, if we're really trying to move our practices forward, then the perspectives of people who are in practices, Mm -hmm. um, they bring a level of value or a different type of value than the larger general media. And those are voices that I have found particularly useful in helping affect change. And so, so Mm -hmm. that, that's kind of why I throw that out. All right. So that's number five, uh, get tapped into the information hubs for veterinary medicine for our sandbox. Number six is a big one, but it's invest in diversity in your practice. Right. And I said up the beginning, diversity is good for business. If you want to be super pragmatic and you look at it, This is not just, oh man, I got another thing I need to do, or this is the right thing to do, so I'm going to do it. It is the right thing to do. But you can also look at it as a growth strategy for your business, and you can Mm -hmm. present it to your boss that way, and you can send Mm -hmm. it up the corporate ladder that way, and that is is totally fine. So what the heck does that mean, right? Inverse and diversity in your practice, right? Okay, number one, it starts with knowing that we all have biases towards people who look like us, right? Sure. We do, which means... I have a natural bias to sit down across the table from a Southern white man who laughs easily and you know what I mean? And tells bad dad jokes. I like that guy. (laughs) I like that guy right off the bat. You know what I mean? Like I, it it does not take 20 seconds. And I'm like, that's our guy. (laughs) You know, heck yeah. I made one of my horrible jokes and he (laughs) laughed and then he told one that was equally awful and i just wanted to put my arm around him and take him to the bar like like that you know that's that's true that's true for all of us like we have the bias. like i told it we have a similarity bias right yeah it doesn't make you evil it is hardwired into you and it is hardwired into me and acting like it's not as garbage it is there own it know you have that bias and if you own it and you're like you know what this guy is just like me uh, I, I, I love, I, I love it. I love to hang out with him. I need to remember that I'm biased towards this guy and, you know, and me adding another guy to the vet clinic. First of all, the staff would rebel. They're like, we can't, we can't handle the Andy that we have. We do not need more Andy <laughs> at all. Like, I think it would be great staff. Not so much, uh, but no, you have that bias and just right. by knowing it and owning it and remembering it during the hiring process and be like, all right. I am not here to hire clones of myself. I am here to grow our practice, to add diverse uh, perspective, opinions, to get the skill sets that we are lacking, to get people who meet and match our culture, and just just own it. I'm not even telling you what to do with it. The first step is just knowing that it's a thing, knowing that you are susceptible to it, just like I am, just like Stephanie Goss is, and own it, right? Number two, hire minorities. Investing in diversity is just giving people opportunities. If you can, if the opportunity exists, Hire minorities, right? Like that, that's, mm-hmm. we're not going to get more minorities into our profession if we don't hire them. So mm-hmm. investing in diversity is just giving people a shot, give them a chance, yeah. right? Um, invest into growing minorities in your practice as leaders and caregivers, right? Don't forget the power of mentorship, right? I look at, you know, I look back at my own career and it was made by, and I'll just be, I'm, again, I'm being totally transparent, probably white guys who saw me. And saw themselves in me and stepped forward and said, Andy, let me show you how to do this. 
or hey Andy, well you you want to come and ride with me out to the farm? Like that that made me. I know it made me right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the problem: we don't have a lot of multi generational minority families in vet medicine, right? I look mm-hmm. around and. I mean, a lot of our vet vet families are three generations in. Dad was a vet and grand and granddad was a vet, or mom was a vet and and granddad was a vet before her. You know, uh, we don't have a lot of grandmoms who were vets, and that's sad. Right. But we're but we're we're marching that that way, and it will be that way. Right. So, but you, but you get my point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that inherent mentorship investment system it doesn't exist. Which is right. like, and for me, that's the most exciting thing. I can get really positive and really fired up and just go. You know what? I can do that. That is in my right. skill set. I can reach right. out to people who, who uh, have a different experience from me and say, hey, you want to ride out to the farm with me? Hey, mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. want to come on this call with me? Hey, mm-hmm. do you want to uh, spend some time in the practice? Uh, you know, like a uh, high, school, high school kid. Do you, do you want to come to the practice? I, I, have, that, I have that set up this afternoon, right? It's, it's just, it's, it's super easy to do. But hell yeah, sign me up for that all day. Right. I can be there to invest into these people. And the other thing is invest into growing them as leaders. And again, we should invest into all of our employees as growing them as leaders. But if you have a black vet tech, you have a person of color in the kennel or as a doctor, look at them and go, I'd be a great medical director. You know, if you're in corporate medicine, Maybe they can move up the chain and they can be a mentor for a lot more people and they can do real good for our profession. And I'm not talking about moving people into positions that, that they don't want or that they are not capable of or they're not qualified for. But look, right. nobody walks into the practice qualified to be the boss. Right. It is a growth process and it comes about from people investing in us, people giving us opportunities, people giving us feedback, right? People giving us encouragement. That's what it means to invest in diversity. So give people a shot, not an unfair shot, but a shot and then mm-hmm. support them and grow them yep. and, 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 and help them succeed because they don't have the pipeline. They don't have the mentorship pipeline to, for people who look like them to bring them up the way that people sure. look like me helped me come up. That doesn't exist. Right. So mm-hmm. You like yeah. white people like you and me, we got to fill that role until that pipeline right. exists. Right. But right. guys, you want to make a change. I feel like this is the big one right now. Let's surrogate that pipeline until it can exist the way that it should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think um, another thing that is really important um, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the similarity bias is that Um, something super simple that we can do to continue to build community within our own practices is to acknowledge that this, there's similarity bias. It goes an incredibly long way when I, um, if I have a um, similarity bias with another white female client who's in her thirties I have a connection with her. It goes so far when I take any member of our team who's new and I say, you know, Mrs. Jones, who I have built a relationship with, this is, um, you know, this is Cindy. She's new at our front desk. Let me introduce her to you. Cindy, this is Mrs. Jones. When you make that connection, it goes so much further when you make the connection for members 
our team that don't have the similarity bias with those clients. It's just natural human nature to feel more comfortable when that, when that interaction, especially the first interactions happen with someone that they do know and feel comfortable with. And so it's something that we can do to endorse our teammates, um, whether they're doctors or technicians who are different from our clients. Yeah. Um, introducing them, endorsing them, talking them up, helping include them and make that inclusion with our clients is something super easy that all of us can do um, to help bridge the gap in terms yeah. of the lack of similarity bias between yeah. our, you know, some of our clients and members of our team who may be different than those yeah. clients. We have a, we have a podcast episode called um, something like clients don't want to see the new doctor. And, mm-hmm. and you, and we hit on this really well. Again, it goes back to trust, right? This is a mm-hmm. trust game. This is a trust business. Um, if you want people to see the new doctor, then uh, existing doctor who the clients know, endorse that person. Just be like, right. I trust this person and you should trust right. this person too. Know that that is doubly important when uh, we have uh, a technician, a doctor who doesn't, who doesn't, uh, you know, who is a minority, who doesn't, who doesn't look like the client. You know what I mean? Uh, like I said, they have to overcome that immediate, that, that lack of immediate similarity in the trust right. game. Right. You can, you can, you can erase or largely erase that deficit for, for most people by endorsing that person. Just yep. being like, yep. um, Jasmine is a wonderful technician. Uh, she is fantastic. She's going to be taking care of your pet today. Honestly, Jasmine takes care of my pets <laughs> on the regular basis when they're in the hospital. She is, she is outstanding. You are in the best hands. And you say, well, that's just a throwaway line. A throwaway line. It's not. First of all, it makes it makes Jazz feel very supported. And second of all, it is setting her up for success and to be effective with the client, which is also good for business if you want to come back to super pragmatic. Right. All this makes sense, right? But I love it. You're exactly right. Endorse that person. Ment- mentorship. We talked about the mentorship pipeline. Again, infinitely scalable. Don't tell me you can only have one mentor. You're not a Jedi. You don't, you're not bringing up a Padawan who's going to face the trials. You can mentor multiple people. Just mentor them. But go beyond mentor, right? Uh, I, I, I'm happy to mentor. I like to mentor. I am also looking to sponsor people. And what does that mean? Because it's a term that, that I wasn't familiar with uh, until until fairly recently, last year or two. Sponsorship is giving all the advice of the mentor and being there. But it's opening doors for people. It's introducing them to people. It's getting them opportunities. It's uh, it's it's things like that. And so when you're uh, so it's one thing for me to mentor my technician and help her grow and get the skills and get the training and get the knowledge. It's mm-hmm. if I'm her sponsor, then when I know that we're looking for a new head technician or that we're thinking about opening up a new department or that we're opening up a satellite practice and we're going to have some opportunities in management out there. If I believe in this person, you know what? I'm going to throw her name in the ring, right? And, right. and I may not be the decision maker, but I'm going to come in and say, hey, Stephanie, I know you guys are looking at uh, a team to go out to this other other place. I just want to throw so-and-so's name in the ring as somebody who could be a head tech out there or or even like an assistant manager to work with you. I just, mm-hmm. I'm just i super impressed with her. I think, I think she'd be great for the opportunity just for what it's worth. I don't know if she's even interested in it. That sponsorship is putting, the name, is putting their name in the ring and not mm-hmm. – just waiting for other people to come to that conclusion themselves. You know, it's just, it's going to bat for them. And so that, that sponsorship, um, 
keep your door open, right? Yeah. A lot of people say, well, you know, I want to make changes. I'm going to go to my black doctor, to my uh, person of color at the front desk and say, what can we do? I, I appreciate the sentiment there. I, I've, I have felt that way as a problem solver. I'm like, just tell me what, tell me how right. to help because that's what I want. Right. And that comes from a very good place. The truth is they don't know how, you know what I mean? Right. Like they, they, right. It, and it shouldn't be like, oh, crap, do I have to, like, create a program now? Because, you know, right. like, like right. It's, it's this big thing that you're putting a big thing on them. And, and again, I, I know that, that it's easy to get frustrated and be like, but I want to help. I'm going to the person who needs help and asking them to help. It just it, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's like when we go to clients and say, tell us what you need to be better. Like, it's a they don't know. Like, they just, you know what I mean? Like, they're living their life and, and they've got their plate full. And now you're putting this other thing on them. And like open, leave your door open. Right. It's yeah. not, tell me how to help you. It's just, Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you. And if there's ever anything you need, let me know. Your client analogy is a perfect one because if you have your door open, if you go to your clients and you say, tell me what, tell me what you would like to see us do better. You might get a few responses, but you're not going to get the, the majority, right? Cause in the moment they don't, they don't know. Right. However, if you have your door open and you create um, the comfort for them to feel like they can talk to you, you bet your ass in the moment when they have a problem and they are upset about something or they're angry about something, they will be willing to talk to you about it. It's the same way with our team members. If you create a safe space where your door is open, going, going to them in the moment and saying, how can I help? What can I do? Um, even if you're doing it with the best of intentions can be very overwhelming, but I guarantee you that if you create an environment of, of open door safety for them, when something is happening that they feel like you can help with, mm-hmm. um, people are going to be much more likely to come and sit down and talk to you about it. Yeah. And this, and this also works synergistically with building of the relationships that we talked about at the, mm-hmm. at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Invest in those relationships, build those relationships, know your people so that they feel comfortable just telling you. And when they come and right. tell you, okay, um, resist the urge to say, that's a great idea. Why don't you write that up? Or right. that's a great idea. Why don't you take the lead? Because what you've right. just shown them is that if you come and tell me something to change, I will give you a new job to do on right. top of your existing job. I will negatively reinforce you coming to tell me. And it's the end. Right. I don't think that people do it again, because I believe people are innately good. I, right. I don't believe people do that to be mean or, you know, right. but, right. but you know, so just, just be aware of it and, 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 and don't, don't negatively reinforce people coming to you and telling right. you how to do it. The last thing I'm going to say is invest in diversity is show a diverse face to the world, even if you're still working to build it, right? If you look around your practice and you have pictures of pet owners or people with pets all over the practice and every one of them is white, you're sending a message. You know, like, again, I, I don't think that it's, I don't think it's a, it's a devious message that the, you know, people in a dark room sat down and plotted out because they're evil. I, I, it's, it's just, these people look like pet owners to us. You know why? Because we're a bunch of white people and they're, and they're white people. And then we go, yep, that's what pet owners look like. That's not what pet owners look like to other people. And right. that's not, we don't want to paint the picture that, you know, uh, other, um, that other groups of people besides white people don't own pets or not pet owners. Cause that's, 
that's limiting. It's limiting for our business, yeah. limiting for our employees. And also, you know, you look around and there's just pictures of white people everywhere. Do you want to be the one not white person working in that building? Right. No, it's, it's a small thing. It's a subtle thing. But, but stuff like that matters. It's just sending subtle and continuous messages that people are different and mm-hmm. pet owners are different and pet owners are diverse and caregivers are diverse and all are welcome here and not posting it one time on social media this week, but sending those continuous messages Yep. and, and your marketing materials. When you send out, if you send out newsletters that have right. all white people and pets in them, you know, right. Again, it, it's important to just send those signals of, you know, other cultures, other people are pet owners and wonderful pet owners. And we are happy to serve those people. And we want to be those people. We want to, to be a diverse group. So that's what I've got sort of for investing into diversity. You yep. got anything else to add? Nope. Cool. What else is left on the list? Well, two, two quick things. One is, is, I can't believe I'm bringing that up. The handbook. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, why am I bringing up the handbook? The handbook. You know, like let's let's talk about um, our our policies involving yeah. uh, diversity and inclusion. Get it in writing. Get it in the handbook. And again, you're sending a message on somebody's first day as they come into your practice. You're saying to every person who came in, "This is important. We believe in this. It is in the handbook." Right. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is our policy on on racism or on on intolerance, and you. This is a, this is a two part program. You have to put it in the handbook and then you have to stand behind it, right? You have to live it yeah. and you have to mean it. Terminology is scary. So you're sitting down, right? And you're like, I'm going to write this statement. And then you go, can I say African American? I feel like that's not a thing that we say anymore. Uh, right. is, is, is it, it's not colored person. It's a person of color, right? Okay. I got that part. And, and, and again, you know what I mean? Like I think people get, they can get so afraid and, and, and the and terminology of race is, it is constantly changing, is evolving as context change, you know, as the world change. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that can be scary for people who are trying to do right. And, and just writing the, the handbook or writing those things down can be enough to turn people off. And I yep. will tell you um, a, a quick hack as far as, as writing policy and things like that and communicating about race uh, at drandyrourke.com and on unchartedvet.com where we post articles, we do defer to and use the APA style guide. And I can Mm -hmm. stick the link down underneath the show notes. They have a racial and ethnic identity section. Um, It is uh, section 5.7 of the APA publication manual, uh, seventh edition. (laughs) That's what we, that is. Uh, You thought we didn't have that. that. freaking nerdy i love it it is so nerdy but this is how (laughs) this is how serious i am about it i'm like you know what i want to have something where i say um i want to have a reference where i say is this appropriate am i using this right you know blah blah blah. and then if someone says hey you can't say that i can point to to the apa and say we are following the apa style guide which is updated every year and will probably continue to change but if you find something and you say oh like we have talked a lot about black veterinarians or black vet technicians and people might go, well, how can he use that term? And I go, well, you know, that is a accepted, right. accepted term. You know, that, that is it. There's a lot of black people who do not identify as African-American, you know, but I can point to a reference or resource and say, and honestly, it has helped me understand. It's helped me understand terminology as someone who is not immersed in it. Um, and so I, I found that to be a valuable resource in writing protocol and policy. 
the other thing that I would say is from a, from a HR perspective, and I'm glad that you brought up the handbook. I love it. Um, is that this, is a, <laughs> this is an area where I 100% um, start outside of the veterinary field mm-hmm. for, for the reason that we are, we do, we do have such a lack of diversity. And so for me, um, we, I, I look at the bigger, broader business HR organizations because they are so much more diverse and they have so much more experience than our tiny corner of the sandbox. And the Society for Human Resource Management is one of the top um, resources that I use. They have a lot of great places to start. And if you're like, well, I don't have anything in my handbook about um, what our policy is on diversity or racism. And you're like, I can't even comprehend the nerdiness that Andy spouted out about the APA guide. <laughs> there, there are places where you can very easily start and get a ready-made template for what is acceptable on a very broad, um, diverse business level. And so um, we can stick their, uh, their links into the comments as well, but it's, um, you know, this is where I definitely lean outside of our sandbox and say, look at what other businesses are also doing, yes. um, because we have to acknowledge that we are not that diverse. And so no. for, for me owning that and then saying, I want to change that means looking at outside of our, our corner of the sandbox sure. here. Well, I mean, looking at it at where we are in a glass half full perspective, right. like we are, right. we are late to the diversity party by right. a lot. But what that means is there are resources that other industries have come up right. with that are right. way ahead of us. We yes. do not need to reinvent the wheel. There's right. a lot of stuff there. All right. This has gone yep. really, really long. Uh, the last thing I'm going to say, because this is super important. Um, do not forget that culture comes from the top. If you're the manager, if you're the boss, even if you're an associate vet, you have technicians that work under you and they look up to you essentially as a boss, as a leader. Culture comes from the top. Okay. If you are the boss and you do not, uh, and, and you talk a big game and don't walk the walk, they see that, you know, they, they see that if you make choices for your practice that do not indicate that diversity is a priority. Um, they, they see that is this, is this a practice where we don't care about diversity that comes from the leader? Is this a practice where we say the words but don't live the life that comes from the leader. Is this a practice where this is a core value and we're not messing around and, and it is, and it is what it is and you can get on board or you can depart the train. Um, Mm -hmm. that comes from the leader and not from direct statements or threats. It's from day in and from day out. It's from, it's from living it. And so if you're the leader and you go, my people know I'm not racist, that's not, going to affect the culture in the way that you think it is. And, um, and I just, I just want to put that into people's minds, the way that the leader approaches diversity and inclusion, it radiates down a significant way. And so that is, that is important. And the last final, final thing I'll say is again, culture comes from the top. If you tolerate racism from your clients, then racism is tolerable in your practice. Mm -hmm. And um, again, when we talk about stuff like this, so much is context, you know, so much is, um, is perception uh, is uh, the, 
I wish that we could just make clear lines and be like, this is racist, this is not, and this is where we are, blah, 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 blah. But I, I do want to make you uncomfortable, and I do want to lean on you a little bit and say, if you're someone who says the customer is always right, and I don't want to make waves, and you run into an issue of race, at some point you do have to make a call, you know, and do you tolerate racism for your clients and from your clients? Or, or, or do you not? Mm-hmm. And when I say culture comes from the top, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So anyway, th- those are my thoughts. Anything mm-hmm. to add to all of that, Stephanie? And I just think that that goes across the board, too, if you, um, in terms of dealing with it within our own teams, too. You know, if there, there are things, often the racism that comes from within a team is not overt. I've seen overt racism from clients. Mm-hmm. I... Sure. I have I have never experienced overt racism from a, a team member, um, and I I guess I feel privileged and lucky to to feel that way. But I've yeah. never had to deal with that as a manager. But what I absolutely have had to deal with is the not overt and the subtle um, racism from from teammates. And right. so again, I think it's it's equally important to say that if you are tolerating that, particularly if you are a manager or practice owner or someone who is in charge of HR, if you let it go, you are tolerating racism and the actions absolutely speak louder than words here. Yeah, I, I agree. So, um, Hey, thanks for doing this with me. Um, I, I look forward to next week's, uh, podcast where we talk about dealing with internet mobs from saying, from, yeah, from talking I about race it. on a podcast when your boss dragged you on uh, first thing in the morning and surprised you with uh, the news that we're doing this. Oh my gosh. Have a good week, you guys. Everybody hang in there. It's a very, very hard time right now. And I think um, leaning in to that and to each other and supporting each other um, and in the ways that we know how and also pushing ourselves to find new ways to support each other um, in ways that we don't feel like we know how is so important right now. Cool. Thanks gang. Guys, have a great week. Take care care of yourselves. All right. Bye. And that is our episode guys. Um, I hope it was helpful. I hope it was um, motivating in some ways. I hope that it will um, inspire people to, to start to actually take steps in their daily life to, uh, to make this world better and to address the systemic uh, racism that we have in our country. If you have questions, comments, concerns, anything like that, please send us an email and let us know. The email address is podcast at unchartedbet.com. That's podcast at unchartedbet.com. Guys, be well. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves.